Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, and joining us in studio as he does each and every Tuesday, the television voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowler Jack. What's up, Bowler? Jake, Gordon, I'm glad to be here so I can maybe separate you two. I've been listening the last little bit and it seemed a little, um, I don't know, a little tenacious, uh, a little bit of aggravation over the air. Well, I mean... Jake has that effect. Though. Well, I'm I'm right. Gordon's uh, insulting our listeners. Oh, <laughs> you know, well, it that, just that's what happened years ago. Different place, different time. But you know. somehow, I don't think I deserve to be blamed for this one. Uh, what the the insulting of the listeners? Yes, yes, I, well, you really I, well, do. I did sort of go well, after I, that one listener, but I apologized. Mm-hmm. Did I not? Uh, you did. You want to weigh in on this, Bowler? Is gun, would you consider Guns N' Roses amongst the greats? I, I look. And I, would I, you compare them to the Beatles? <laughs> look, good, good, but not great, Jake. I'm sorry. Look, take me down to Paradise City where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. I mean, the lyrics there, take Bowler. Take me home. <laughs> I do like that one. Uh huh. I do like that one. And uh, I'm in the jungle, baby. Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, Brighton High School, or it is Brighton High School's uh, theme song. Oh, so really? I got an earful of that okay. for like about eight or nine years, consecutive, consecutive. No, it's hey, this you know, anytime you debate bands, it's 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 a great debate because it's it's era. And genre, and you know what? If you're a rock and roll guy, or if you're kind of a more of a, or what do you put? Look, <laughs> you're looking at me, yeah. but you know, I'm a I'm a rock and roll guy. So you know, I even throw in Aerosmith. I mean, they've you know they've got to be one of the great bands. Love Aerosmith, right? Gordon, right? look at the look on Gordon's no, face. I'm, He's I'm not doing it. I mean, no, no, but I'm you not. know, the Beatles. You know, in the in the debate that goes on is that's where really kind of the whole things. That's where it all changed. When you look back at the film of the women who just absolutely went bonkers, and Elvis as well, right? I guess, would he be a band? Uh, well, Individual uh, performer? Yes, an artist. Okay, an artist. Yeah. So, I mean, those two guys, and then, of course... Uh, Gordon doesn't like about, Elvis either, by the way. How about police? Um, you know, uh, it's... Yeah. See, that's what I'm Phil, saying, great. Phil, you Phil Collins? Be... Phil Collins? I really like Phil Collins. Nobody's yeah. saying Guns is better than the Beatles, just amongst the Who greats. Else? That's well, all we're talking about. Did. Some people and did. Ro- that. And, and then I would prompting. say the Rolling Stones, too, yeah. was another yeah. another game changer in in music. Yeah. And they were kind of the anti-Beatles, right? Absolutely. Great point. The counterculture? Counterculture. You're, you're, ter- you're absolutely right. Uh, they had things to say, and they said it. Beatles were more kind of, uh, what do you call it, a little more hip-hop at the time? A little more bubblegum. Yeah, bubblegum. At know? first. Yeah, at first. And then that, they made political statements as well. major way. And, okay, so yeah. the White Album was just, that was weird. That was not good. That was Well, that weird. was a drug culture <laughs> album. It was strange. <laughs> yeah. Let's say number nine over and over again. That great song. That's that's terrific. Revolution number nine? Yeah. Yeah, I think wasn't that the period when they were visiting the guru over there yeah. in India and all that stuff? None of those things. They're all trying to find themselves with some sort of uh, hallucinogenics. Then somebody said, "What? What is this? Just get out of here!" Straight back to music. Hot garbage is what that uh, that was. Hot garbage. All right. 
Should we get down hey, to some basketball bowler, with Bowler? Before we get to the basketball, Bowler, well, i got to get your opinion on this. What do you think of breakdancing going to be an Olympic sport? <laughs> breakdancing? Yeah, apparently it's uh, taking another step forward, and it looks like it's going to be an official An Olympic, Olympic sport. sport. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to go there. No. No? No. I'm not coming see, along? I no. can see Bowler broadcasting you know, for the network. Is that, is that, breakdancing? Is that an uh, Olympic sport? I mean, is that what the... The Greeks had in mind back in the day. I mean, I'm, I'm all for change and maybe progressiveness, but I just don't think breakdancing is would be a legitimate. I'm a gold medalist in breakdancing. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't you no. don't think the Athenians were breakdancing? No, you don't think that no. was going on? No, I got a, uh, I got a gold maybe medal. someplace really? else. But <laughs> what was your sport? Breakdancing. Yeah. And then someone's what? What kind of what? What, what sport did you breakdancing? Yeah. No, no, no. What what sport did you win it in? Breakdancing. Well, isn't isn't figure skating just pretty much dancing on ice? Well, there is ice dancing. Yes, then there is ice dancing. Yes, yes, yes. couples pair. Yeah, mm-hmm. pairs da- dancing. It is. Um, you know, you're on a, a very thin blade on ice. It's true. That is that's quite a that's quite a uh, a, a difficult task. But what about like rhythmic gymnastics? Aren't you just prancing around with, with a, a, like a streamer, a like. stringer, and a ball? <laughs> That does kind of maybe that does hedge on the borderline of yeah. yay or nay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, nah, I Olympics. I mean, let's let's break a sweat. Well, I guess you can break a sweat and, and break dancing. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's a is that a winner? Is it a winner or summer sport? I'd say that's more uh, takes more athletic skill than driving a race car, which Gordon claims is is like boxing from an. I'd athletic like to standpoint. see. I'd like to see you try it. The mental side Driving of Driving at 200 miles yeah. an hour Turning left the whole time. <laughs> oh, man. The concentration, the hand-eye coordination it takes to Try do doing Come one on. of those head spins, man. <laughs> Saying that's easy? Get a headache. But if you hit a wall at 200, that gives you more than a headache. I'm fine with it. Anything so, yeah, you're, you're right, Bola. The danger factor is a little uh, it is a little, high, the consequences a little, a little are a little higher it's than little missing that, that head spin. <laughs> and now danger is 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 something we, we consider uh, having to be necessary to be a sport? Not necessarily, no, but uh, it adds a little bit to the stakes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think fi- they should try to make then current sports that are uh, Olympic sports more dangerous. Like the rhythmic gymnastics. I think they should turn dogs loose on them or something like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe live hand grenades. Wow, that would, that would really put it to another level. <laughs> Pull the pin, and you got five seconds, and then you got to toss. <laughs> you know, golf is an Olympic sport. How do we make that more dangerous? Is golf still an Olympic sport? Did I, they? I thought it was. I mm. thought it was again. Didn't it go away and come back? It did go away. I'm not baseball sure. isn't even an Olympic sport. Golf is back. Golf is back, yeah. Okay. But baseball got the 86, isn't it? Yep, baseball is no more in the Olympics. Breaking, though, it's in. Yeah, it just seems strange right. to me. And then Bowler is this story I wanted to run by you real quick. You see a story about Cody Bellinger. Apparently, uh, he's uh, been out there on the field, and, and women are jumping out of the stands. Well, and I, I saw that the other night. after him. Uh, this it, has happened a is, couple times. Is he now. using some sort of a cologne like in uh, Anchorman, where it works half the time, most of the time? <laughs> it's cologne. <laughs> is it, can't resist it. Yeah, can't resist him. What what's what's uh, seems to be the? I mean, obviously, it's a great uh, publicity ploy for anyone who jumps onto a field, and then of course, 
the chase then by police and security is always uh, an interesting you know moment for the fans apparently he said to one of the fans uh, one of the women that came running out on the field to give him a hug he said you know you're going to jail and she said it was worth it it was worth it hmm. just you ever have anybody come running down to the broadcast booth for <laughs> give you a big old hug? Uh, look, you know, as times have changed, I think we're all supposed to just kind of stay away from that. <laughs> like, oh, hold it. Uh, no. Yeah. Ha- hands are up. Hands are up. No, no one has rushed the booth. <laughs> no one no one has rushed the booth. Man, wouldn't that be something? Oh, that'd be crazy. That'd be a, a YouTube hit instantly. <laughs> next season, all you ladies oh, out no. there. <laughs> no ideas here. The next time you see Bowler broadcasting <laughs> a jazz game. Time to show the love. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm sure Harps would love that. Uh, no, not so, no, not so much. No, not so much at all. Not all so right. So, Bowler, <laughs> lots of stuff going on in the world of the NBA oh, these days. Unbelievable. Did you? How did you feel about the way the draft ended up? Uh, well, you know, three second-round picks. The Jazz what, spent a couple million to, to grab uh, what that the 50th spot. It is, it's intriguing. Uh, you guys discussed, and I think the station's talked about it a lot since we last spoke, was you still have to fill out a roster. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the most important fact that fans have to know is that the, the money that's paid out to, to Conley, who, again, when this all comes to fruition on, what, July 6th, mm-hmm. then you've got yourself a dynamic backcourt. And I was impressed with him last night at the awards ceremony. Uh, and congratulations to Gobert as well. I did see the smile of Quinn Snyder when Conley made his way up onto the stage. You know, when you talk about DNA, I mean, you know, that's that's really what it's all about is, is personality and how you are going to, as he said, uh, adjust his game and also the way his mannerisms and his – uh, you know, to to adjust to Donovan and the rest of this team. I mean, that's almost too good to be true. You guys made a great point on that. Uh, but I think Conley. Did you know this about Conley before I, the trade? I, you know what? In the years that I've been with the Jazz, now this is going to come up on 15. So this is what? He's 12 in. So, yeah, he was a rookie when I was just barely starting. Um, uh, and Hots was still doing radio. Uh, in those early, early days uh, when we combined, and he went radio I, I, and I took TV, but uh, Conley was just a guy that just seemed to just uh, played his tail off. Uh, you know, he's a bit undersized uh, when you look at other guards in this league, but still always sticks his nose in. He is a team you know, player, and I don't want to overstate that because I think you have to have that mentality to survive in this league. Some, though, are more selfish than others, but when you're a three-time winner of teammate award, what does that tell you? I mean, the, says a lot. the rest of the league respects him as well because of his involvement, just like Ricky, in the community. And the guy is just almost too good to be true when you really break it down, guys. I mean, it's, it's like, wow. What else? I mean, he's going to walk in here, and he's already working out with Donovan right through video that I've seen. Yep. So he's already made a step forward to make the transition easier, and Quinn Snyder is smiling for a reason. I think you guys made the point when this thing all comes together, most likely I, I would see a very quick transition 
there isn't going to be a lot of downtime in what the Jazz want to do. What I'm excited about or interested about is how the Jazz fill out the rest of their roster. June 30th is just around the corner. They're going to start, what, free agency six hours earlier, so it's it's more legit, allegedly, instead of going knocking on a door at midnight Eastern. Uh, and, and how the Jazz fill this out with a mid-level? Do they stay with Derek? Uh, do they open up more cap space in some way with a, another player or two? It's really intriguing because the five that you're going to put on the floor uh, intrigues, I think, the rest of the NBA, as, as it does jazz fans, Jake. But also, you know, they've got to come off the floor. And you also have to be a, aware of the fact that, you know, injuries do impact some teams. And the Warriors were not the deepest team. They maybe had the best uh, starting five in the NBA, but they didn't have much to go to after that. And I think it played out in, in a lot of ways in the finals against Toronto. So I still think that has to be, and I'm sure it is with the Jazz management, they're very well aware of what they have to have. And Neto, a uh, good story uh, in the D News the other day about his workout, and he has to stay healthy. He knows that because Ricky went down a couple, three times last year, and strangely, Neto followed on almost the same night or the next the ne- the next game. So his body has got to be 75 76 games ready. And that strength, that's durability, it's it's a mind game as well. And Neto, I think obviously has to play a big factor here. Uh, do they move on and get some another backup in in some regard or do they switch off Royce O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell? I mean, th- these are all things that are going to be continued to talk about as the summer goes on. There's there's no doubt about it, and uh, going back to Conley for a second, just echoing what Gordon said is is that he seems to be the perfect fit. So now, kind of combining the conversation, Bowler, what do you what do you do to highlight their abilities with the rest of the roster? And one thing that Justin Zanuck said after the draft, and he he repeated the same word over and over again, was aggressive. Yeah. And so that tells me that they're going to put a lot of lines in the water out there. And they've got the luxury of not having to make the decision on Derek in, until the sixth. Because I think what you're talking about, I, I think, is critical in if they can truly be a contending team. Absolutely. Well, most people believe the five that they have now, they the door is open. And that the backcourt itself... Uh, is is a contending starting five, but also one of the most impressive backcourts in the West and maybe in the NBA. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening too, Gordon, that you know we don't know what Kyrie's situation is. Clay Thompson uh, is going to be on at least a year uh, with the ACL. Durant, you know, it, it's a two-year process from you know recovery to getting back to, if he can, to Kevin Durant style of basketball so the West is open I'm not sure how long Lillard and and McCollum stay together I mean they've tried that now for five consecutive years and they can't get over the hump and you know and Westbrook and Paul George um, you know how many times do you try to put that one player in place and take it to the next level and 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 the same situation in Houston uh, that continues on and again it's been very quiet out of Houston by the way no Chris Paul much discussion he denied the fact that he demanded a trade about this time last week and you know we all saw the video of him having a little uh you know a little jawn with uh, with Harden during the playoffs on the bench so is that I, a rumor about Jimmy Butler going to Houston Jimmy Butler They'd have to do a sign-and-trade. That's yeah. kind of what they're talking about. Right. Jimmy just looks like uh, it's a revolving door, right? Everywhere he goes, there's just— He's kind he's, of an acquired taste, isn't is he? He's dissatisfied. I mean, how, how he hasn't really done much for any team along the way. It's, it's the me factor, right? 
I, I do have some bit of sympathy for Jimmy. I, if it doesn't work out in, in Philly, maybe it's a different story. But with Minnesota, where it started was he was mad that those other guys are lazy. Can you really be that Ben? I mean, I get it that he's not a great locker room guy, but he, he all he wanted them to do was, was work harder. Work. And it'd be interesting if he ends up in Houston because one of Chris Paul's complaints is that James Harden, when it's not about Harden, he doesn't care. He doesn't try. You know, if somebody else is initiating the offense, Harden's walking or not in the right spot or, or doesn't really care about I, I wonder how Jimmy would react to something did like I, that. Did I miss something last night? Because I watched it from start to finish, the NBA awards show, and Shaq, uh, well, that's, that was kind of an interesting hosting um, uh, two hours of Shaq. Yeah, that was. Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did you find it interesting, everyone that uh, they could find was on camera? Two missing pieces that I thought I, I found intriguing, unless they were in the back or went to the restroom, was Harden and George, who were both. Yeah, Harden wasn't there. Harden was not there. So, I mean, yeah, you're you're up for MVP, but yet you refuse to show? I, I mean, did you I have think a, somebody tipped him off. Well, sure they did. Sure they did. I thought I just found that to be again to go back to your point about if it's not me, then I really have no reason to really be involved. And I thought that was not care. That is not the way you want to do or to, in my opinion, to work yourself in the NBA. You have, you need to be there to respect Giannis, Antetokounmpo. I mean, that was an incredible moment for that him. That was that was. And you know, respect respect the league, respect your team, but also respect others that that you play against on a nightly basis and i was just like wow man, that's 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 uh that's that didn't look good on him no and so, the, that uh one guy made a funny joke about it it's playoff uh, hard doesn't oh, yeah. show up doesn't show up yeah yep. but the jazz were well represented in that award show last night between conley and, and gobert happy for rudy i mean look the guy has a chance to three-peat i know we're Hold on, this never happened, right? Three in a row as a defensive player of the year. But uh, to be a, a, a two-time winner is you got to really break that down and understand that. And he won going away, by the way. When you look at the votes, he doubled up um, onto Takumbo. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. The guy, I wasn't sure if there was enough press, enough positivity because, again, of – of maybe being a little bit more one-dimensional. But when you break it down, that's truly what Giannis is the MVP because he is multidimensional on both ends of the floor. Rudy, uh, as we know, is the shot blocker. The shot He alters shots, and, he, and he's uh, just, a, uh, just a beast defensively. None, none better over the last two years. And I think, again, the respect that I saw in the votes, I thought it would be closer, honestly, and, but it was a, really a runaway. And I, uh, I, I don't know if you agree with this, Bowler, but I thought he was a better defender this year than last year. He took another step with his defense, he did. and it and it wasn't didn't register in the blocks, but he was so much better in the pick and roll and lateral movement and covering two guys at once. He was he, awesome. He, he was more confident. I think that Quinn prepared him. They they made some changes on the defensive end of the ball, and he was able to to uh, to make those adjustments. And you're right about lateral moving, lateral left to right. I thought he was much quicker. He was more durable, and he seemed to be a much more confident player uh, when he played on the defensive end. His recovery time was even better, I thought, coming back. When maybe a guy would get by him baseline, he still had great angles and was able to recover in time to get the block shot or at least alter that shot. And give him credit. He's got his feeder improved. If he can still get a stronger base and not get pushed off the block as much, I think that will help his offensive game even more so. And then it all comes down to the mitts. 
the hands, the strength in the hands of Rudy Gobert and how he can continue to improve in that in that area as well. And what I love about Rudy, too, is that he's never satisfied. He said that last night. Look, it's just the start. There's more to come. And he's always motivated by something. And that's hard to find to keep a guy on a high level throughout a, a, any pro career. And you have to you know, tip your hat to a guy uh, who came from a pretty rough background in France and, of course, very close to his mom and what they went through. Uh, that's motivation enough. But I think as he sees his team grow and what the Jazz are adding, those pieces, he, if he's not excited to take his game to another level, then uh, I'd, be really su- I'm, I'd be really surprised. You know, Bowler, I'll share this, uh, this moment uh, publicly. But you and I were going after the Mike Conley uh, trade. I texted you and kind of asked, what do you think of that? And you, you thought very positively of it. But I thought the question that you asked after that was so interesting. And, and it's probably what a lot of our listeners are thinking. It was kind of like, I'm paraphrasing, but what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, And that's what a lot of people are thinking about this. Okay, the Jazz have had a, an impact deal here. Is there something yet to come this offseason? in free agency that is enough to catch your attention and say, okay, I thought the Jazz were going to be pretty good. I thought they were going to contend in the West. This makes me believe even more. Will that next step be taken? Well, knowing Justin Zanuck and what Dennis has done and uh, David Morey, look, there's a plan, and they've got quite a staff and a lot of uh, guys behind the scenes that are capologists and they, I think there, there's, there's the master plan. Now, there's always master plan A, uh, then you have subset B, <laughs> then you have you know C, uh, depending on how the rest of, of free agency goes. But I, I, I really believe the mid-level exception will be very important uh, for the Jazz. There are players that have been mentioned out there, and we all know them, uh, that could come in and help, you know, bond, uh, really, I, I guess – Strengthen the bench, which, in my opinion, now is is got to be got to be done. But you also sounds like to me, Gordon, that the Jazz place more trust in George Niang, Howell Neto, and Royce O'Neal. Okay, so that's kind of the core of the bench of that second unit, and some of them have started yep. uh, because of necessity. Uh, but again, the mid level will be a, a, a huge get who, whoever they decide to hand that cash to. And then again, as you said, if they open up more cap space after the 1st of July, uh, how do they do then that? That's going to weaken the bench even more probably because they're going to give up more assets in order to clear room if they want to think really Which big, maybe yeah. is the reason why they went heavy in the second round with three picks. Yep. Because those, those contracts – and I'm not taking anything away from these young guys who are going to try to make it in this league, but those contracts are minimal when you look at the big picture of how uh, a team's roster is filled out and the cap, right? So at least you have bodies that are able to maybe go two-way players uh, back and forth if needed on given nights. Uh, but that's that's really now the challenge for the Jazz front office is to continue to fill out this roster. And knowing this group... I, I just really believe there's 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 another another piece that they're, they're they've got probably two or three on the radar that they feel will fit, and the trickle down effect, the domino effect, which is going to come into play here pretty soon, guys, on how it starts and how other teams respond to Durant, Clay. Does Golden State really step out there 
and and really pay those two and jump over what 300 million in luxury tax i mean that's insanity but uh i'm anxious to see you know how where Kyrie goes kemba yep. how all this really what the first domino which one falls you know, but for the Jazz, I mean, you drop down to like Tobias Harris. There seems to be some interest there. Danny even Green, though, even though it'd be difficult to pull that off, you have to disassemble some of what the Jazz have. But see, that's what I'm talking about. It goes from well, A to Z here, really. If you disassemble, then you know you can. You've got to have guys one through ten. I mean, there's a couple guys that you know. An Epe, I love the guy, but you know he wanted to play more last year. And when he when he was on the floor, he performed. But what are you going to do? You've got a, a two time now. You know. Uh, all defensive uh, MVP and Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, and you got Faves who deserves minutes absolutely. And Epe, you know, Epe's kind of an insurance policy, mm-hmm. but he feels, as I've talked to him, he, he he deserves time. And you know, he he competed hard when he was on the floor. Tabo's in the twilight of his career, you know. Uh, and again, I'm not sure if there's takers. Uh, do the Jazz bring him back just for? You know, veteran leadership for that second group. Who knows? I mean, there's options out there, but it's it's intriguing to see how they're going to use their money. And also, the other piece, Gordon, as you said, is that if they do make that financial commitment to DeFaves, if so, then it limits them even more so in filling out the rest of that roster. All right, we'll have more with Bowler coming up right around the corner. In fact, maybe we'll uh, run BYU in the AAC past Bowler. See what he thinks about that. More thoughts on basketball and the Jazz as well. Want to remind you about our friends at uh, Ute Conference as they introduce the new Fall Flag Football League. Boys and girls ages 5 to 7, learn to play, love the game, have a great experience, come play flag football. Sign up today at UteConferenceFootball.org. More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Oliver Maroney, host of the Positionless Podcast, covers the NBA in Big Three. Joining us here. I think Utah is poised and in position to potentially get wing. Heard the names out there. Bobby Portis has interest. And there's a few other guys, I think, that would have interest in a team like Utah, specifically when you add a guy like Mike Conley to the mix. Mike Conley spoke with me not too long ago and said his number one goal in the NBA right now is to win a championship. So I think Utah traded for him with that idea in mind. And I wouldn't be shocked to see them make a couple of more moves before the summer's over. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for Utah's best sports radio is right here on The Zone Sports Network. You're locked on to the big show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show. 97.5, 12.80 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Craig Bowler, Jack with us in studio. We'll get back to, uh, we'll get back to, talk to talking a little basketball just in one second. But uh, the other kind of big story of the day, Brett McMurphy was on our station with uh, DJ and PK earlier today. Bowler, of course, Brett, uh, of course, Brett does a great job cover, covering college football. And uh, UConn is leaving the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. And if they would want to add another team to mm-hmm. replace UConn, of course, uh, BYU's name has, has popped up. And Brett said BYU could possibly 
uh, even make more money uh, as part of uh, the AAC. But how much does BYU need to join a conference in your mind? And what would you think about the American Athletic <laughs> Conference? Ah. <laughs> Man, these conversations just continue and continue. I mean, year after year after year, we've had the same conversation about, what was it, Big 12 for a while? Yeah. Uh, Independence then uh, took over. I mean, that happened in between. I mean, they after the, when they got into Independence and then the talk of Big 12 and then that didn't go. You know, this, this will never end. Uh, you know what? It really depends. I mean, in the 10 years that I called BYU football and basketball, and it's been a long time ago. Things have changed a lot. I mean, the money now generated is out is insane, bottom line, in college athletics and professional as well. I mean, you had some great players in those days. I mean, I remember the uh, the, the Ty Detmer run to the Heisman. Uh, you had Jason Buck and, and Sean Knight, Von Collin. I mean, Bellinis. I mean, Andy Boyce. I mean, Chad Lewis, Chris Smith. I mean, th- these names just roll off your tongue because they were just common – you know, common guys that just busted tail and they made BYU win. You know why? Because Lavelle had an offense that was absolutely a killer. And the biggest game of the year was always on ESPN with San Diego State, mm-hmm. another high-scoring offensive powerhouse. And you usually had like a 50-48, to 48, you know, ball game. And, and that's what ESPN loved. Things have changed. I mean, you know, quarterback U is no longer, right? I mean, it really hasn't. And I, I, I just keep, you know, kicking around the idea that, you know, something needs to change or the decision needs to be made in my opinion do you really put your effort the church put their effort into this football program again to say as gordon help me out here would it be a a tool for the church or is it more detrimental uh because of some of the negativity that comes out of a lot of programs mm-hmm. in this in this world we live in today. In fact, I can't think of any program that is is pristine, and BYU is not. Uh, and let's just be honest: they're they're, they're human beings, they're young men, and they're going to have issues that have to be dealt with. And we've got you know we've talked years and years about you know the honor code system and the honor code office and all those issues that come into play. Look, if BYU wants to find themselves into a, a different hierarchy, then I think conference play gives the fan base, in my opinion, something to look forward to that one loss does not determine a season, right? Because one or two losses, you can still recover if you're in a conference. Yep. And if you're independent, you're, you're dead in the water. And I think a lot of Cougar fans, <clears throat> I think, believe that as well and the interest wanes because you cannot get a comp a a competitive team a school in your schedule in november so all of a sudden lavelle Lavelle edwards stadium after a loss or two starts to just kind of shrink itself away from the fan base because there's really nothing to go on a cold thursday night though the game may be on espn to play UConn. I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing this, throwing it out. But that's that's my. I, I think it's time to either say we're in, we're out. Well, and they're I, trying. I they're trying to get in. They're trying to get into a P5 conference, and that's slamming their heads against the door. Bowler. They want to be in the big leagues, but they haven't been able to, as Bum Phillips would say, kick that yeah that blankety blank in they haven't been able to get invited what's the biggest hold up jake i mean in, in your guys's mind from not having the p5 say welcome the espn contract I'm, I'm curious too how long does that money continue to flow in 
with BYU and the Espen contract. Well, they're and, about to they're about to renew it. Yeah, so. they're re, but uh, they're negotiating now. I, yeah, I wonder what the negotiating price is. I, I just I just wonder. Uh, but again, if it's if it's if it's big cash, then Tom Homo, hey, you know what? He may be happy, and so is so is uh, South Temple, right? But I still think the fans want more. And '84 is a long time ago. But once you taste it, uh, even the next generation hears all the tales of what was, and the Robbie Boscos and the Steve Youngs and the Jim McMahons and the high scoring of Brigham Young University that just you know basically blew everybody off the map in college football. Those days are gone. Can you reestablish that? Great question. Would a conference, would it get you into a bigger bowl game? Does it give you a, 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 a sense of more pride for the fan base? All those questions are up right now in debate. I, I think, Bowler, I think that if BYU could get the kind of talent that they need in order to be competitive with this schedule they have this year, then I think there would be an increased interest. You would see that stadium get filled up again. But they... They're they're doing the they're doing uh, they're doing they're trying to fill out that schedule with an interesting slate. The problem is, can they beat these teams? Right. Well, it's, I mean, it's heavy. Look at, it's, it's impressive. You look at, you look at this year's schedule, September: Utah, Tennessee, SC, Washington. Then on down the line, you've got South Florida, which is uh, which is a decent program at times. Boise State, Utah State. I mean. Uh, and then you have uh, you have San Diego State at the end. Now you got some dogs in there. You got Liberty. I don't know. You got uh, Idaho State, and you got UMass mixed in. But on the whole, that is a heck of a schedule. That so so it comes down to what Jake and I were talking about earlier. If you're an independent and you can schedule like this, then you do have Utah. You have Tennessee. You have SC. You have Washington. But you have to win. But you have to win. But those are like. Those are like your bowl games. That that that's your reward. Now, if you can win most but of them for independence, if BYU goes nine and three with a schedule like this. Then I think most BYU fans would be doing backflips. But to, but but the bowler point. What did what did you win by going nine and three? What did that really do for you? Well, it's, you, you that, didn't that, win a league. You you're not going to a New well, Year Six yeah, game. But, it's but, not. But if you these are your bowl games. Okay. And so if you mm. can take advantage of those games, I'm not sure if fans buy that as a bowl game. Tennessee's winnable, I do believe, this particular season. Uh, SEC's always difficult in my, in, you know, in in my uh, tenure over at CBS. I mean, Tennessee, the Vols, holy cow, they've got, uh, as we all know, great tradition. But look, Gordo, I tell you, look at the first month. I mean, what are you one and three if you're lucky? I don't know. Two and I, two I, I if you're really. The... I mean, it's it's. I I think it's frustrating from fans I've talked to. Look, yeah, it's pretty cool to see those teams come to town or actually go there as a fan base and maybe a travel. But at the same time, winning is still the bottom line to it all. Right, right. And so I don't think it's the schedule that's as much the problem as BYU's inability to – to go nine and three or ten and two against these kinds of opponents. No, my point was November. My mm-hmm. point was really late season, where you do bring in the UMasses or the mm-hmm. Liberties, and if you have lost early, then there's no real draw right. to bring a fan base in to the house that Lavelle built. Right? There, there really isn't because you know that you know you maybe are just going to sneak in at six and six and become bowl eligible. And then what bowl game do you go to and how much impact? I remember the days. Well, everybody already knows they're going to Hawaii That's true. this year. But but if there's if they were and I don't I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying this is going to happen, but if they were 7 and 1, 
heading into that stretch against Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass, if they're seven and one at that point, people are going to be interested. Well, they in, will. in the program. But the problem and Kalani is Kalani Sataki gets a contract extension. Yeah, the problem is going seven and one. I mean. Uh, does well, anybody think the Cougars are going to do that? I think also part of the problem is playing those teams at the end uh, as opposed to the beginning. If Utah plays Idaho State at the beginning of the year, you look at it as, boy, that's a warm-up, not a payoff. That's what and most even schools if they do. Are, even if they are 7-1, and one, you play those uninteresting Jake, opponents at the end of the year. Most, it's, it's not Most schools do exactly that. They play the Liberties. They play the UMasses. They play the Idaho States to pad the win total to start before conference play. Right. And it's just a flip for, for what BYU has faced because the rest of those teams are not going to wander out of their conference play. They can't. They're already, they're, they've already been locked in right. in the SEC, the Big 12, Pac-12, any of the Big Fives. Those things are locked. And so those first four weeks are open, and they're going to jump out and say, okay, let's see how we fare against Brigham Young. And there's a pretty good payday, by the way. But getting yeah. back to it, the, the comparison here uh, of playing this particular kind of schedule versus if they were in the AAC, how switched on would the fan base be about playing Memphis and Temple and uh, Tulane and schools like that? Another great point. They're out of region. And so how do you what is part what is a part of sport and one what is it about Jake and, and Gordon it's about rivalry. Mm-hmm. We talked uh, well I think you were, I think when you were gone Gordo we talked Colorado football. That's Remember right. Remember yeah, that yeah. conversation had, uh, with the play-by-play yeah. mm-hmm. uh, great guy but he was as he was straight up about it. You cannot manufacture rivalry. Colorado and Utah just they don't have a connection unless something breaks out. And there's a, a, a five-year run of last-second touchdowns, field goals, or some melee on the football field, right? And then all of a sudden, you got yourself a built-in rivalry. That, that takes years to build. Yep. And well, I think BYU is trying to – they're trying to ride this out until the next shift – uh, and uh, the opportunity presents itself maybe to get into a P5 conference because that's where ultimately what they want to do. Uh, so in the meantime, do you spend your time in a conference like the AAC or do you spend your time as an independent? Uh, because so a lot of BYU fans feel like, why should they go join the AAC for three years and then try to get into a P5? Uh, it really comes down to whether – whether you how badly you want something to play for, you know, whether whether you want a, a league championship, even if it is something like the AAC, versus an opportunity to play the kinds of teams that BYU is lining up in the early part of the season, and this year it extends beyond because I mean you would rate everyone Utah, t- Tennessee, SC, Washington. And then after that, uh, you know, South Florida, Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State, those are all tough games. Well, they also have a connection locally, too. I mean, there's a rivalry there or a sense of it uh, with the Aggies. And and obviously in the old days of what was WAC, you know, San Diego State. And so there's some familiarity there. I I just wonder, guys, how this impacts or would it impact – uh, Kalani's ability to go out and take an athlete at a, a, just one at a higher level. Mm-hmm. I mean, would would conference play give him availability to say, look, 
we have a conference schedule with another avenue to a bowl game, or does Independence, is that more uh, sexy, so to speak, for a, an 18-year-old coming into play? Yeah. How, much do, how much does an 18-year-old want to win the AAC? That's an interesting question. It is. Hmm. It is interesting. But you know what? Independence also kind of makes you feel a little bit just kind of left alone, too. Yeah. There's really no home, so to speak, right? right? Well, and, and young people like to be all-conference, that sort of thing, too. But don't, you like, don't you like your home? Go uh, home! All right, we'll have more with Bowler coming up next. want to remind you to join Scotty and Hans on Thursday from noon to 3 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Uh, price is so low, it will blow your mind. It is the Warehouse. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to the big show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Craig Bowler, Jack hanging out with us. Sounds to me like we've solved all the world's problems. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad I dropped in for an hour, but took care of the Jazz. Uh, Going to wait and see what happens to fill out the roster, right, Gordon? And then Jake, of course. Uh, I'm sure the uh, the hierarchy of BYU probably tuned in and decided to make some big decisions. They're taking today. notes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were out there taking notes. I tell you, Coug fans, I, I'm sure they pull their hair their hair out all the time just because there's such such passion. You know, it's and, and, and some. It was. You think it's waning though a little bit? Um, it can. You know, I've talked to some former players who are concerned about that, um, and I can understand why because there was a time. Right, and you can say that. And but I even wonder if some of those uh, teams that Lavelle was coaching, how would they fare if they had to play the schedule that Kalani's team is going to face this year? We'll never know. But I'll be honest; I thought they were more high-powered and had just more kind of a, you know, different time too. I mean, I, I, I'm, I maybe I should step out of the box a little bit here. I'm not sure just how close of an eye that Lavelle kept on those players. Okay, there, there were some some pretty tenacious athletes on and Gordon, you know that on the, on those on those rosters on those teams. Um, plus the way he played and how wide open it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no stopping what BYU did on the offensive end, and there were some beasts on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they scattered everywhere. I mean, they were a fast team in a time where really they were ahead of the they were ahead of the curve. Yep. They really were ahead of the curve. But defenses have made that adjustment now. Maybe Mike Leach would argue that. Well, one funny thing brings up in my mind hearing you talk about that, uh, Bowler, and the, the athletes and what Lavelle kind of uh, paid attention to and not. Could Jim McMahon have existed at BYU today? No. With social media and no. everybody having a camera on their phone no. and all that? I don't think so. No I way. I think that is hands down. No, it's hands down for me in school. Hands down probably for you, Gordon. Yep. You look th- look at you if, th- if, if everybody listening right now just thought to themselves, oh my gosh, if there was a phone when I was in school, oh, come on. I mean, as innocent as it could be, it still can be maybe... Um, uh, let's just say uh, defined a little differently because there is a photo, but you know sometimes photos lie. It's you not think that all would what you say. Behavior, mm. that knowledge. 
I think if it McMahon does. If had to do it over again, there's no way he'd go to BYU. Yeah, he wouldn't choose BYU in the first place, probably. Yeah. Well, Notre Dame was number one, right? Right. And yeah, they didn't recruit then. him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he uh, could throw the ball. I'll tell you that. But I think I think the thing in our hand right here, the phone, and you know, social media. Yeah, I, I think it would change a lot of things drastically. Drastically for a lot of athletes, a lot of schools, a lot of players. There are still players down there who come up to Salt Lake and drink and stuff. I mean, that stuff still goes on. Still happens all yeah. the time. Yeah, that does happen. But you you wonder if it would. I don't know. Now, before it, anybody out there says, "Oh, you're just making that stuff up," no, I'm not. I know that it happens. Just, it does. I mean, Gordon's out at the clubs. He sees them. No, but I mean, I, he's, I have he's out there tossing them back and says, "Oh, <laughs> hey there." Gordon has a Friday night club crawl. <laughs> it's true. It's his. It's his favorite activity. Well, you've gone with me on that. That's, <laughs> it's a riot. You're yeah. going to have a headache the next five day. stops, and we start at eight, and we end at two. <laughs> it's going to be great. And then we uh, <laughs> then we get to order up an Uber and get home and go to Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we'll have more uh, big show coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.